We are alive in him. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was bound, but now I'm free. Been liberated by the power of the Holy Ghost. No matter what we face, we're dancing right on through it because he's alive. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I love the house of the Lord. I love coming together with the people of God. John chapter 3, verse number 5. If you are a guest, we greet you. We are so thankful that you have joined us and come to worship with us. If you're a returning guest, we pray that you already feel like part of the family. We are doing the very best we can to be the friendliest church in town. We love people around greater faith. To the home folk, can you give our guest a warm welcome? John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, which is water baptism, and of the Spirit, Spirit baptism, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I want to preach to you today from this subject, Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Make contact with your neighbor before you're seated. Let's pray together. Lord, I lose faith. I come against any bit of unbelief or doubt that might be in the building. We feel you moving. And I believe you're going to fill somebody with a gift of the Holy Ghost if they will just open up their heart to it. And they will believe. I pray, God, that you would settle down like in the book of Acts. Let us be in one mind and in one accord. Let cloven tongues like as a fire come down in this place. And let people begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, God. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. I thank you in advance for the skills that are about to fall from people's eyes for the sight that somebody's about to receive. I thank you for revelation that is about to flow, God, and for the response of faith to that revelation and the baptism of your spirit. We give you praise for it right now. In Jesus' name, clap your hands one more time. can be seated. I've got some scriptures that I'll be going through, laying the groundwork, giving us a foundation for where we're headed. So if I am doing a little more teaching that feels in the beginning, don't go to sleep. I know it's Sunday morning. 
But I believe God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost today. And uh, I'm excited about where we're heading this morning. Thursday night, we talked about water baptism uh, as a component of the new birth. And today, we're going to talk about spirit baptism as a component of the new birth. Our world needs an outpouring of the Holy Ghost like never before. Our, our city needs an outpouring of the Holy Ghost like never before. We need a book of Acts outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I saw a clip of Brother Robinette preaching recently, and he was talking about how the Lord had showed him that stadiums would be filled across North America in these last days, that God taking stadiums that have been built for the worship of worldly idols and being used as a place for thousands of souls to gather for the worship of the King of Kings and the outpouring of His Spirit. So I believe that and I am excited to see that. I am looking for that day when an overseas outpouring begins to sweep across North America. I believe that it is coming where we're going to see thousands added across this country in a single day. If you believe that, would you say amen? amen. But just as I am excited about the thought of that, I get excited when God just fills one with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. Heaven never gets tired of rejoicing over somebody coming to the Lord. It, it doesn't matter how many millions it may be. Every time a sinner turns their heart to God, heaven goes to shouting and says, there's another one. There's one in Chicago. There's one in Mexico City. There's one in St. Louis. There's one in London. There's one in Toronto. And I believe that we as a people of God ought to be the same, that we ought to go rejoicing every single time. Just one person is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So I'm excited today. Today I want to try to briefly answer a few questions. The first being, why should we be spirit baptized? Or said another way, why should we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? The second, how do we know if we have been spirit baptized? And three, what do we have to do to be spirit baptized? Now, I'm only going to be able to briefly touch on these today. But as I said Thursday, the Bible says that you need to receive the word of God like a teachable child, that if your heart will be open like you're coming to him with open arms, that you will receive what God is trying to show you. And it is imperative that you have that approach because if not, the Bible says that we cannot enter into the kingdom of God, that there has to be a humble receptivity to God's word and to take him at his word we know that God is not willing that any should perish. We find that in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. He doesn't want souls to be lost for eternity. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. But he gives every human being the choice to decide whether they will receive him or reject him. It's up to each and every individual to decide 
whether they want to please God and be obedient to his word. We know, according to Romans 5, 12, that all have sins because of the sin of Adam in the garden. Sin has been passed down to all men. We are born with a sinful nature. Romans 3, 9 again confirms this. It says, well, then should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. So we know that we are born under the power of sin, that humanity was set on a death course when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that we had no choice but to spend eternity separated from God except for the fact that God made a way, that he made a way for us to be able to overcome the works of the flesh. You say, well, what, what might those be? Galatians 5, beginning in verse 19, says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So we see very clearly there that the works of flesh will send you to an eternal hell, that you cannot live in the flesh without the Spirit of God giving you power to live an overcoming life and be saved. You've got to have the power of God. And so he made a way because of that separation. A holy God could not have communion with an unholy people. And so blood had to be spilled. And we understand that the blood of animals could not remit sins. That there was a covenant of a rolling back of sins. But Hebrews 10.4 says that it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. And so there had to be a mediator. 1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 24 and 25, All are justified and made upright and in right standing with God freely and gratuitously, gratuitously by his grace, his unmerited favor and mercy through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward before the eyes of all as a mercy seat and propitiation by his blood, the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice of atonement and reconciliation to be received through faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. Key phrase that we find there, to be received through faith. 
Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now we're going to establish today that if you are a believer, that if you believe, that you should also receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are people that cherry pick verses out of the Bible. They like to use verses like in the epistles and they take phrases without using the whole context of the Bible. Paul, who was writing here, had been baptized uh, in the name of Jesus. He had been born of water and he had been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he had been born of the Spirit and he was writing to people who had as well. He was writing to the church at Rome. These were people that understood what he was talking about. They had already experienced the new birth. And so in the epistles, they don't have to repeat over and over again what salvation is. If they say things like, by grace you are saved, there is an understanding that, yes, by grace we are saved, that we cannot earn it. There's nothing that we can do to earn Salvation, it is by grace, but it does require faith and an application of the gospel of Jesus Christ in order for his sacrifice to avail to us. And so context is important. He also said to the Jew first and also to the Greek or Gentile. Therefore, we understand as we're going to go through Acts, we're going to see how salvation came to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Without being born of the Spirit, we are dead. We are on death's row. We do not have life. There is not going to be, when the rapture of the church takes place, when he comes back to take his bride if you do not have the Spirit of God in you, if you have not been born of the Spirit, you are not going to be raptured away. You've got to have the Spirit in order to be raptured with the church. He said, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are Saved Again, we see he is writing to the church at Ephesus. These are people that have been baptized in the name of Jesus. They have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he was not preaching another doctrine to them or just telling them, hey, it's just by grace, you're saved. He came, he died, he rose again, you're good. No, they understood what he was saying. There was a revelation that they had. So it's important that you have context when you are looking through the word of God. Now, let's look 
um, at, at the promise of, of spirit baptism. Let's, let's begin to look at what it requires to be obedient to the gospel. The gospel is simply this. It's the good news. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We participate in that through repentance. That's death. That's us turning and saying, I'm not going to live life my way. I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to let him be in control. I am turning over my life to him. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price, so I'm going to lay down my life. We experience the burial through baptism. We are buried with him in baptism, and then we experience new life in Christ through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, say amen. 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 So when we look at the Bible, we believe that the New Testament church is the basis for the church today. We believe that we are the New Testament church. We, we believe that the book of Acts is not just a book of history. It's not just an account of things that we can read about that are exciting. But it is a roadmap to the new birth. It is history. That is theology. It is teaching us how to be saved. And so the entire Bible is inspired of God. It is infallible. And it is all there for us. In the Old Testament, we're finding prophecy. We're finding promise. We're finding typology. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we're finding the foundation for the New Testament church. We're finding repentance, being introduced, baptism. We're finding the, the Holy Ghost and faith. And then in the epistles, we are finding references back to our initial conversion experience. So, in the book of Acts, we're going to find uh, the very first outpouring in Acts chapter 2. And we are going to find that all 12 apostles were standing there together in agreement. That as Peter stood up to preach, he was not going rogue. The Bible says he stood up with the 11. That, that when they were asked, what, what must we do to be saved... You're going to find the 12 in agreement saying, here is what you must do to be saved. So question number one, why should we be spirit baptized? Let's begin to look at that. In John 3, verses 1 through 18, we're going to find Jesus' one of his first references to salvation. We read verse 5 in the beginning, that you've got to be born of the water and the spirit. There are a lot of people in our world that take verse 16 of chapter 3. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And they just say, that's it. That's, that's all you need. Ignoring 11 verses previously in the same chapter where he said, if you're not born of the water and the spirit, that you cannot enter. Those verses precede verse 16. And so we have to take Jesus at his words. Yes, belief is fundamental to our salvation, but unless believing somehow also incorporates verse 5, then, then it is not, um, it's a direct contradiction. The word of God would be directly contradicting itself in the same chapter, and we know the word of God doesn't contradict itself anywhere. In the Bible, because God is not the author of confusion. He's not a man that he could lie. He doesn't change his mind. So whatever he has said 
it, it remains the same. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Now, we know the Holy Ghost had not been given while Jesus was on earth because we find in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 34, that he says, You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am thither you cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go? That we shall not find him. Will he go into the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me? And where am I? Thither ye cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. They which believe on him should receive. There's no way around that verse. It is in plain English that they that believe on him should receive the Holy Ghost. John 14, 16, and 18, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said Unto you. Comforter is defined there as a, an intercessor, consoler, advocate, comforter, called to one side, especially called to one's aid. Let us also make note that he said, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So we understand the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. We understand that God is one, that he's not three persons, that God is a spirit, that he is Father that he robed himself in flesh as son, and that he is filling men in operation. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 and 8. This is just before Jesus ascends. And being assembled together with them, he's with the apostles, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. But ye shall receive power. Somebody say, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So until the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you can't have power. He said, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, ye shall receive power. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. And in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. So he gives power. Power over sin. Power to live an overcoming life. Power over the adversary that would try to tempt you. And would try to pull you into sin. Christ did not die so that we could continue in sin. He died so that we could have an opportunity to come back into communion with the holy God, have his spirit indwell us, and we could have power to overcome the flesh. Romans 8, 1 through 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him 
as personal Lord and Savior. Again, believing is going to be associated as well with receiving salvation as God would lay it out in Scripture. So that is, again, important to always remember. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, that is, overcome sin and remove its penalty or its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin, and He condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it, and overcame it in the person of His own Son, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by His Power, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The spiritual well-being that comes from working with God both now and forever. The mind of the flesh with its simple pursuits is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot. And those who are in the flesh living a life that caters to simple appetites and impulses cannot please God. So if I don't have the Holy Spirit, I am in the flesh. 100%. And if I'm in the flesh, I cannot please God. Therefore, I understand if I'm going to please God, I must receive the Spirit of God. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. That's not me saying that. That's the Word of God saying that this morning. So it is important that we see that we have to have the Spirit of God. Verse 10, if Christ lives in you, though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of His righteousness, which He provides. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. The King James says the spirit is life because of righteousness. And so God, as a part of his saving action, bestows his spirit. He bestows the spirit of Christ upon believers that we might have life. That we might have spiritual life. That we might be able to be raptured one day. The spirit gave life to the body of Christ. It gives life to us now with victory, right, over the deeds of the body. And in the future, it's going to give life to our mortal bodies. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage and freedom. So why should we be Spirit baptized? One, because you cannot enter the kingdom of God 
without being spirit baptized. You must be born of the spirit. Also, because we will receive power to overcome the flesh, to live a new life, to have resurrection power. Question two, how do we know if we are spirit baptized? How do we know if we have received the Holy Ghost? Acts 2, 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were Jews from a lot of nations that were there that day, and they were confounded because these were just normal, everyday Galileans that were speaking languages that they knew they did not know. It was a supernatural work of God. They thought they were drunk because when you get the Holy Ghost, there is a joy. There is an intoxication. Not like the intoxication of alcohol wherein is excess, but there is a godly intoxication. When you get the Holy Ghost, you'll know it. There's something that begins to happen. There, there is an energy. There is a passion. There is an exhilaration. And you will speak with other tongues. Let's look at Acts 2.36-39, therefore let all the house of Israel know. So they began to ask, what is going on here? And Peter began to preach to them about, hey, you had crucified Christ, the Lord of glory. And, and now he has sent the, you know, the, the comforter. And this, this is what you're seeing. It's the Spirit of God. And he said, therefore let all the house of Israel know that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Because truth preaching will prick you in your heart. It will convict you. There will be something if you're a sincere person and you're sitting under the truth being preached. There will be something in you that says, I have to respond to this. I cannot ignore this. I cannot reject this. I must open up my heart to this. They were pricked in their heart. They said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So there are some that would say the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was only for those in the upper room, which we're going to prove is false as we go through Acts here in just a bit. But verse 39 proves that to be false because he said that it's to all that are afar off. It's not just for the 120 that have gathered right here. It's for your children. It's for their children. It's for their children. There's no expiration date on the Holy Ghost filling men and women. So do we have anyone else who received the Holy Ghost? In the book of Acts, beyond the outpouring on the day of Pentecost. I'm glad you asked. Yes, we do. Here's another example. Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, he's preaching to Cornelius and the Gentiles. Remember, Paul said it's come to the Jews and the Gentiles. 
Here he is preaching to the Gentiles. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, the Jews, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know that it was poured out? For they heard them speak with tongues. Peter confirms what happened in the upper room with those of us that were there and then spilled out to 3,000 also on the day of Pentecost is happening right now with the Gentiles. I know it because they're speaking in other tongues. That is what we did. That is what they are doing. He knew that God had filled them because of the sign. Also notice the Bible says Cornelius was a good man, that he was prayerful, he feared God, he gave alms. Being a good person does not mean you have the Spirit of God. You have to receive the Spirit, and the evidence is that you will speak in other tongues. Cornelius, though he was prayerful, though he feared God, though he gave alms, he had to speak in other tongues. He had to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if you're a good person today, don't let that stop you. Don't think that's enough. Like Cornelius, God is blessing you with coming to you with fresh revelation. He's coming to you saying, I love you. I see that you fear me. I see that you have a heart for me. Now here is revelation. Here is a deeper truth that I want to give to you. Here's another example. Acts 19. We read through verses 1 through 6. You'll find that Paul came to the disciples of John. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we don't know what you're talking about. What's the Holy Ghost? We've never even heard of it. Then he said, okay, how were you baptized? Because if you were baptized according to um, the, 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 the name of Jesus, according to the, the new birth, then you should have heard of the Holy Ghost. So they said, no, we were baptized unto John and to repentance. So he said, all right, we've got to rebaptize you. That's great. You did what you were supposed to do up to this point, but there is a name that you've got to take on. You, Paul, John said you ought to follow one that was coming after him, one that was greater than him, Jesus Christ. And so he said, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to be baptized in his name. So he rebaptized them. And the Bible says, then he laid his hands on them. And in verse 6, it says that the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues. So there's three examples right there where we see when people receive the Holy Ghost that they spake with tongues. There is an establishing there. It's not just one or example two. It's three examples that we are seeing that the identifying sign. Now, let's look at a couple more examples where we're not going to see it specifically, but we will be able to draw the conclusion. Acts chapter 8, verse 16. And the people with one accord, this is Philip, preaching to the Samaritans, gave heed unto the things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed, and there was great joy. In that city, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to them they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed 
Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There are people that would say that when you are baptized, you receive the Holy Ghost. That is false. This verse proves that to be false. They had been baptized, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So there we see the confirmation of the new birth. They were born of the water, and they were born of the Spirit. And we know that Peter, who received the Holy Ghost himself and spoke in other tongues, and then confirmed it in Acts 10, as he saw it poured on the Gentiles, that if he was there and Luke was there, who was writing Acts, Luke also understood the sign of the Holy Ghost. Luke would not have said they received the Holy Ghost unless they had spoken in other tongues. And Peter, who understood, was there praying for them. We also see, because some people would say, well, you know, I have joy, so I know I've got the Holy Ghost, or I've been healed before, or I, I believe. They believed on Jesus Christ, but did not yet have the Holy Ghost. Some people would say, if you believe, you've got the Spirit of God. No, they believed. They had been baptized. There was healings. There was deliverance. But none of those signified they had received the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, we would have found that. But all of those things having taken place, Scripture says that still the Holy Ghost had not yet fallen on them. So it's important that we go by the word of God. Let's look at one more. Acts 9, 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him. This is speaking of Saul who would become Paul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou cometh, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, he said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So we know that Paul spoke in other tongues. And we can conclude that when he received the Holy Ghost, he spoke in other tongues. Now, I want to make this note, because there are some people that say the gift of the Holy Ghost is only for certain people. That it's not essential, but we've already proven that to be false. It is being born of the Spirit. But some would say it's just a gift. They get it confused with the gift of tongues which is different, right? That's one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. It's not the same thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But there are people that would say it's only for certain people. But in all the accounts we read, they all, Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. 120 of them. 60 of them didn't get it and 60 didn't. 100 got it and 20 didn't. No, all 120. As long as they were in one accord and believed, they got it. Acts 10, 44, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. I don't know how many were there with Cornelius and the Gentiles, but it fell on all of them. 
because they had the faith to receive it. And then the disciples of John, they all spake with tongues. It wasn't just one or two or five that got lucky. It fell on all them. The gift of the Holy Ghost is for all men. You've got to have it to be saved. There's no way that God, who does not predestine certain people to heaven and certain people to hell, there's no way that he would keep you from receiving the gift that allows you to be born of the Spirit and to enter the kingdom of God. If you want it today, it's yours. You can have it. It's a gift. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It comes by grace, but you have to believe. And if you'll believe in it, you will receive it. So let's look at how we receive it. Some, some might say, well, why did God choose tongues? Well, I mean, one, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. When God says something is the way, that's the way. We don't really have a right to question it. He doesn't have to explain it. But if we look, we could kind of surmise some things. James said that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body, that no man can tame it. More people hurt people and commit angry actions with their tongue than anything else. There are people that can keep themselves from punching people in the face and kicking people and shooting people. Not everybody can, but some. But it is hard for anybody not filled with the Holy Ghost, even people that are filled. They've got to stay prayed up because that tongue can go back and forth. between. It can speak in tongues and it can speak some other things it shouldn't speak. But people that are not filled with the Holy Ghost, that tongue, just it just flaps. It says things that it shouldn't. We know this to be true. And so if you're yielding your tongue to God and you're speaking in a language that you don't know and that you're not in control of, that's a powerful statement to say, I have yielded the most unruly member. My entire body is yielded to the Spirit of God because yet even the tongue that no man can tame, God has taken control of it. We also know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's a sign that a heart is surrendered to God. I am speaking in tongues. It's God speaking out of me because way down, deep, all the way down in my heart and soul, he has come to reside, and now he is flowing out of me. It's that rivers of living water that he talked about was going to come. So somebody's saying, I get it, I see it, I get why I have to receive it, I get how I'm going to receive it, now what do I need to do? Peter said, repent. You've got to recognize you're a sinner, that you're born in sin, that you cannot save yourself, that if you aren't born of the Spirit, there's no way that you're going to be resurrected, there's no way you're going to overcome the works of the flesh, so you've got to repent and say, forgive me God. Lord, I repent of every sin. I, I repent of everything I've ever said or done or participated in that did not please you. I am yielding myself to you. It's, it's a response of saying I'm, I'm convicted and I'm turning my heart over to you. And then it's about just taking hold of it in faith. You have to believe. 
As Peter was preaching, Cornelius and the Gentiles began to speak in tongues. There wasn't even an altar call. He was still preaching. But the Spirit of God moved in. And there was a heart in them to receive. There was something in them that said, we want this. We want all of God. We, we want Him to baptize us. And as they responded in faith, they began to speak in other tongues. So all you have to do today to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost is repent of your sins and turn your heart to God and say, I need you, God. I believe in your word. I believe that it takes being born of the Spirit and then let God take your tongue and you're going to begin to speak a language that you didn't know when you walked into this building today and new life is going to come into your body. You are going to begin to have a power to live an overcoming life. If you've struggled with alcoholism, you're not going to struggle any longer. If you've struggled with nicotine, you're not going to struggle with it any longer. If you've been addicted to drugs, you will be liberated by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you've been a fornicator, an adulterer, if you've been a liar or a cheater, if you've been selfish, if you've been prideful, when the Holy Ghost comes on you, there's something that's going to begin to change. You're going to begin to understand that I am not who I used to be. And you're going to be able to please God and make heaven. Come on, are you excited about it today? Anybody filled with the Holy Ghost that can say, I'm not tired of being filled with the Spirit of God. Anybody that can testify to somebody beside you that it's real, that it changes your life forever. Anybody that can testify saying, I got it, I got it, you can get it, I know you can get it. Because I got it. Well, I've committed a lot of sins. You should have seen where I was. Is there an alcoholic? Is there a drug addict? Is there somebody that knew you were in deep sin that can testify? He gave it to me that when I repented and believed on him that I was not too wicked to receive what he had for me. Why don't we come down to the front? We're going to pray because I believe God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. I believe somebody in this building that has never spoken in other tongues and been born of the Spirit can be born of the Spirit right now if you can only believe. And there may be somebody that needs to be rebaptized. I pray we would all be rebaptized. I want cloven tongues like as a fire to set on every single person in this building if you're afflicted in your body let the holy ghost come on you let it overwhelm you let it overtake you and drive out any sickness or disease if you received the holy ghost but it was a while ago or maybe you weren't too sure you, you heard yourself speaking tongues but you felt like man I, I wish it would have been a little bit more god's about to absolutely pour it out you're about to be plunged you're about to be baptized with Holy Ghost fire. So we're going to repent together. And then we're going to lift our hands. Nobody looking around. And if you're a saint of God and you see somebody seeking the Holy Ghost, get ready to pray with them. But wherever you're at, if you'll close your eyes and begin to repent. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us right now. Lord, we know that we've got to repent in order to receive your spirit. 
I pray, Lord, that you forgive us of things that we have said, things that we have done. Forgive us because we're born into sin and shapen in iniquity, God. Lord, we repent of things, Lord, that we've done that were hurtful to other people, God. Lord, we repent for sins that we've committed against you, God. And we're turning our heart to you. Lord, we are telling you that we need you. And we need you right now. And we need you to come. Lord, we're telling you we're ready to die to self. Lord, we are ready to lay down our life. We are ready to pick up our cross, God, and to let you begin to have your way. And once you feel like you have sincerely repented, I want you just to begin to magnify God. Just begin to exalt him. I praise you, Jesus. Just tell him, I love you, Jesus. I want relationship with you, Jesus. I want your spirit. I want you to baptize me. And as you're lifting your voice, God is going to begin to take your tongue. And you are going to begin to supernaturally speak in a language that you did not know when you walked in this building today. Come on, let it happen. Come on, saints of God, will you help us find somebody that's seeking the Holy Ghost? Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, let people begin to speak in another tongue, God. All across this house, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, let cloven tongues like as a fire settle in this place, oh God. Lord, let people begin to speak as the Spirit gives the utterance. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, somebody's going to get the Holy Ghost for the first time. Somebody's going to be rebaptized with the Holy Ghost for the first time in a long time. Yeah, come on, if you're not praying for yourself, find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to get ready to rejoice with. Yes.